1: Thanks, guys, for tapping in with us today. Travel day for left. So I left it up to him. I told him it was optional whether or not he jumped in today. We have a special two-hour show waiting for us tomorrow in conjunction with the pantry, food pantry. Thank you to Costco for sponsoring us tomorrow. And then we'll end up at the South Side. South Bend. I keep saying South Side. South Bend YMCA. the South Bend YMCA. And it's going to be a very, very great day. Uh, Self fulfilling, you know, because of the work I do with children here in the Chicagoland area. Anytime we can give back, um, anytime we can give back to the community,
2: it's a great thing. It's an absolute great thing. I want to talk about
1: the defensive backs. And Mike Mickens has done an incredible job, in my opinion. An incredible job. I think he, as I watched him at the podium, (laughs) I didn't realize, Mike, you guys watch this? Mike Mickens has extremely long arms, man extremely long arms, right? So I'm watching, I'm like, yeah, I see why. I see the type, the prototype of cornerback that you like. But he's done an incredible job identifying talent, getting the talent in, and getting them ready to play, right? Just getting them ready to play. And I think that continues, right, with what he brought in with Micah Bell and Christian Gray in the 23 class. But more than that, it's kind of like the culture he set. And it goes from Cam Hart and even Lash and Tariq Bracey and those guys, and it just matriculates now to the youngsters. And he talked about that, just the benefit of having a veteran group in that cornerback room.
4: Just you got a veteran group. Um, a lot of guys in the room that play a lot of ball understand the expectations of it. Um, the standard of it and uh, they help each other. You know, that's the great thing about this group. You know, they have great unit strength. Uh, they got great love for each other, healthy competition and uh, all they want is this man to be, be- um, better and grow each day. What do you want to from the group? Um, they're, they're dependable. Um, that I know what I'm going to get with them. They're consistent. They'll come to work every day, um, on the field, off the field uh, and they want to be great. You know, and that's what I want from, you know, what can we do get
1: all the dreams and goals dreams and goals dreams and goals that's funny you know you get a kid in man what do you want to do we're going to set you on the path to accomplish that goal and realize all your dreams and it seems like that's what we've seen right there's so much respect in that room because and i've said this plenty of times i don't care whether or not. I don't care what you think of Cam Hart and his play. And there's so much profound respect for Cam Hart in that within that program, not just on the defensive side of the ball, on both sides of the ball for what he represents on that campus, in the student body, in the classroom, and the leader that he truly is in that locker room. When you talk about needing someone or having someone to look up to when a young man steps into that position room, Cam Hart is that guy. He's been that guy for a couple of years now. And he has tremendous value. So to have a veteran group like that and have a guy, even if you don't think he's elite talent, he's dependable. Now, is he available all the time? Now, that's... Availability, right, is the best ability. Can he stay healthy? Right? And I think the depth of the room is going to give them a lot of opportunities to take snaps away from Cam Hart, especially early in the game. Right? You get a Jaden Mickey, right? You get a Christian Gray who had the scope, minor issues with his knee. Uh, it was, was kind of, one of the practices we were at, he was wearing a, one of those uh, black braces. What was it wasn't, it was more of a sleeve, not really a brace. So it was more of a, it seemed like it was more of like a tendonitis thing, possibly that was bothering him. But Mark Freeman said he had a microscope. Coach Mickens said he's he's man, he's aggressive, he's going hard at the rehab. But more than that, he has to stop coming in, putting this putting this extra work in with film time every day. And that's what you love to see. That's what you love to see
2: from young men. You love to see it. And not only that, there's one
1: thing for your coach to talk about you. But it's a whole other thing when your coach talks about the leadership that spread throughout the classes in that position room. Check check this out.
4: Great leadership, right? You get you get the best of both worlds. You got a Cam Hart that's uh, been around, played a lot of ball for us. That's very vocal in the room and um, gets the guys going in that way. And then you got a. Clarence Lewis, who's played a lot of ball here as well, who's um, a more action guy that is going to show you how hard he practices every day and how the same approach that he does every day with it. And then you you see that, and then you get a Ben Morrison and a Janet Mickey that's younger, but they're growing and becoming mature and and speaking up as well with it as well. And uh, and then it's just like a fire, a wildfire with it. So
1: So he goes from (laughs) the senior class all the way down to the sophomore class, talking about leadership within that room. Jaden Mickey is a firecracker, man. And listening to him talk, he was talking about how he came in as an early enrollee and just just competed, right, just off raw talent, of just competing and just bringing energy to the practice field. And now one full season with Coach Mickens and understanding the position and what he's being asked to do, man he's a totally different player totally different player and a perfect candidate to give cam hart less reps during big time games and shout out can we take time to give a shout out to Jake mickey and continue prayers to his mother and for his mom and her battle continue prayers for the family but just a round of applause man for who jay mickey is as a young man as a representative an ambassador of the University of Notre Dame, off the field as well as on the field, and all of the philanthropic work he does back home in the California area, and now he's ingratiating himself with the South Bend area as well with his charitable charitable works. Yeah, Salute to you, young man. Salute to you. Never stop. Keep building on that, and keep doing the work. Keep doing the work. As some people say, the old people used to say in the church, keep sending timber up to heaven for your mansion. <laughs> that's, that's what the old people used to say in church. Keep sending that timber up to heaven to build your mansion, young man. Lucky Lucky Podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify, YouTube. Go ahead, hit the subscribe button, the thumbs up button. Hit that. Helps with our views. We greatly appreciate it. Apple Podcast, Spotify, CFB Nation. You get your audio edible each and every day over at CFB Nation. Home of the Misguided Passion. Myself, Malik, we are the Anora Boys. You know how we do it. We spend it different each and every
2: day. Lucky nothing podcast. Um.
1: It's amazing how, when you think about the defensive backfield and the quarterbacks, we thought they were pretty good last year with the rise of Benjamin Morrison. And it's only right that we hear from Benjamin Morrison talk about the transition and following up what can only be recognized as one of the best freshman campaigns as a defensive back at the University of Notre Dame. People in the room, the
5: players in the room, the leadership in the room, um, having Cam Hart coming back has been just awesome. Um, me still being a young player, we have Christian Gray, Mickey, C. Lou, um, and the new addition of Zell um, in spring. I mean it's just, just our room, we have depth and I just feel as if like that's the best thing about DB room is having depth and people you can trust um, to go out there and execute, and execute um, what they're asked to do.
4: Talk about your offseason, what prepared you for the spring to become a better
5: Just understanding the defense in general, like as a whole. Um, I felt as, as if last year I was just trying to just play my position and just play the man in front of me. Um, but I've been able to understand the whole defense, um, or trying to still understand the whole defense and just why I'm in the position I, I am, um, and just being okay with like, like working on working on things. Um, that's been the biggest thing, just trying to work on things that I, I, couldn't, I didn't do last year. Um, so just trying to grow my game. How have you kind of handled the, the hype coming out of last year? I mean, I wouldn't say there's no hype or pressure. I feel as if, like, this is just the position that I've been blessed to be in. Um, so I wouldn't say there's hype or anything. I just know that as a DB, I want to become the best DB I could be, and um, player I can be. So if I read too much in the hype, I mean, I, you just can't do that, so yeah. And then, what's it just kind of been like having Zo
3: working at corner uh-huh.
5: No, it's awesome. Zo's athletic, he's a, he's a freak of athlete. Um, can jump, can catch, can run. Um, so that's what we want as a DB, and he's physical. Um, so it's a great addition. Um, and it pushes all of us to become the best DB we can be. And then, what does Christian Gray bring to the room, on and off the field? Just that little brother, just that that one little brother you always have. Just he just Christian. He's a funny guy. He's also a, a great player. Um, so that's just awesome to have a guy like that. Um, I see a lot of myself in him. Um, so it's cool just being able to like uh, walk him through things that I had to go through last year. Um, I didn't really roll last year, but. It's the same transition Um, when you go to campus, there's gonna be things that you don't know what to do or understand. So just having that person to go to um, is awesome. I I, uh, request that for me
2: last year. So it's nice being that for Christian. I don't know why,
1: but that question kind of angered me for a second and then I had to catch myself. and realize that's a solid question. It's a solid question. I don't think anything about Benjamin Morrison is hype. Like hype is when you haven't played against anybody, haven't done anything. And, you know, you build up this hype, right? Hype was like, remember Ricky Hatton? All this hype. Uh Prince Nassim, remember that dude? All this hype, and he really hadn't faced big time talent. In the moment, both of them faced big-time talent. They got knocked out. Remember that? Benjamin Morrison is a hype, man. You don't do what you do against the t- competition he did it against
2: on the stages he did it on. And it's considered hype.
1: Now, can he recreate? A similar season? I mean, that's tough. That's like that's like asking if Marty Biagi and the special teams are going to be able to recreate what Coach Mason did last year. I mean, they can still be really good as a special teams unit and never have a magical season like they did last year. Right? Benjamin Morrison can play. Mike Mickens can come up here five games of the season and say, man. Benjamin Morrison is playing better than he played last year, and he doesn't have an interception. And some people will look strictly at the numbers and say, well, that doesn't make sense. Shouldn't he have interceptions? Numbers don't tell the full story sometimes. They just don't. Numbers don't tell the full story sometimes. And so with that matter, I think it's understandable to recognize that Benjamin Morrison just might be a dude, right? You heard Sean Crawford, who was on with us earlier this week, talk about, hey, (laughs) he's different, man. It's not easy to play the position and to run full speed trying to cover somebody and then turn your head and find the ball in the air and then high point it. And the level of confidence at which he does that and the level of ease at which he does that lends you to believe that this is who he is and this is who he's going to be and he's going to get even better at doing it because it's not easy. Everyone can do what he can do. And that's coming from you know, one of the most respected defensive backs that's come through Notre Dame. One of the most persevering defensive backs to ever come through. To tell you, like, man, what's difficult for a lot of us, he does it with ease. That speaks volumes, you know. So, it was actually a good question. It was a fair question. But hype, you know. Just how do you live up to, you know, last year? Like, how do you build upon that? But for one moment, not for one moment do I believe the word hype should be connected to Benjamin Morrison. I don't think there is – there's no hype. He, he produced. He produced. Now, <laughs> will they throw at him this year? <laughs> Would quarterbacks be scared? To throw at him? That's a totally different question, man. We'll have to wait and see about that. But as for right now, you love what he said about Christian Gray. I love that. He said, I see a lot of myself in him. I think Mike Mickens saw a lot of Benjamin Morrison and Christian Gray. Right? We already knew Christian. It was the life of the party, big personality full of jokes but the tenacity he has to learn the position to go hard and the normal anticipation he has the normal anticipation he has is absolutely insane he plays the position like not something he's learning it's just something he's evolving in and that's Benjamin Morrison as well it's almost like this is who he was born to be he has the gifts and he's evolving into becoming better at it day after day and it's the same feeling you get when you watch Christian Grey very natural at the position reads things anticipates very well And then just goes out and plays. So, you know, looking forward, even though he won't be playing in the Blue and Gold game, looking forward to seeing him back on the field for fall camp and his short rehab stint. I'm looking forward to seeing both of those guys. Lucky enough, podcast, man. Let's see. We heard from Benjamin Morrison. Who do you guys want to hear from? Let's go ahead and hear from Cap, the captain of himself, Cam Hart.
6: Well, I haven't gone up against the wide of receivers since Boston College week. i got been out. But um, thinking about in, in the past, I would say something they're really good at is just their motor. Um, a lot of guys are really confident in themselves. And comparing the game and um, practice, there's a lot of chatter going on. And that just gets me mentally prepared. Um, Lot, we have a lot of good route runners, um, so I would say that. And then um, just the, our relationship, I, I guess. Um, I know I, when I'm approaching a game, studying the receiver in and out, studying what that is going to do, and then when I'm thinking about our receivers, we have distinct receivers. So I can when I'm going against JT, I'm going to guard
2: JT different than I'm guarding deep. You know what I mean? So just that approach. We don't have like, a similar receiver um, group. That's
1: Cam Hart. I want to play that one more time because he, he starts to get into, like, what the wide receivers really mean for them. Listen to what he says one more time. This is Cam Hart talking about the wide receiver group, the improved talent, and how it's helping him along with the rest of the DBs.
6: I have gone up against the wide receivers since Boston College we i got out, but um, thinking about in, in the past, I would say something they're really good at is just their motor. Um, a lot of guys are really confident in themselves, and comparing the game and um, practice, there's a lot of chatter going on, and that just gets me mentally prepared. Um, a lot, We have a lot of good route runners, um, so I would say that. And then um, just our relationship, I, I guess. Um, I know I, when I'm approaching a game, I'm studying the receiver in and out studying what that receiver is going to do. And then when I'm thinking about our receivers, we have distinct receivers. So I can, when I'm going against JT, I'm going to guard JT different than I'm guarding deep. You know what I mean? So just that approach, we don't have like a similar receiver
1: um, group. Yeah. Thank you, Cam. You're darn right. It's a different wide receiver role. So now we just can't line up and just handle business like we could last year. Now we have to think about, man, Who am I sticking? Am I sticking Rico? Because Rico does this totally different than Jaden Greathouse. I'm sticking Braylon. He can run straight past me because he takes the top off the ball. He has Tobias. He can do everything. Oh, snap. We got Chris Tyree in the slot now. Like, if he's playing zone, like, man, keep your eyes on him. We got Jaden Thomas, who's the incredible Hulk of the group, who said he put on 10 10 pounds of muscle in the offseason with improved speed when he spoke to the media. Look, man, when you have that type of diversity and playmaking in the wide receiver room, now you're challenging the thought process of playing a position of cornerback. And that's how iron sharpens iron. You just can't line up and just play now. You can't do that. That's what I love about Benjamin Morrison, man. He takes the challenge. Doesn't matter who lines up in front of him He walks right up, helmet to helmet, face mask to face mask. (laughs) I'm shutting you down either way. I'm shutting you down either way. And that's the type of confidence,
2: you know, that I've seen in practice from him. This is the story of the one. Cam Hart talks about the camaraderie in that defensive back room
1: and the culture that's flowed through Mike Mickens, down through guys like Tariq Bracey and him. Clarence Lewis also spoke to the media, just talked about how he's gotten much better and how resilient he's had to be in his time at Notre Dame, getting over the mistakes, believing in himself, having coaches that believe in him even though everybody else seems to think that another position might be better for him. He feels like he's just happy being part of this room, this team, and ready to make an impact and make plays. And Clarence Lewis made some plays last year, ladies and gentlemen. Like coming off that Fiesta Bowl, I know most of the fan base was upset for what they saw. But he made plays last year, and he improved last year. Could it be possible that he could make another improvement? Could it be possible that he could get even better in the 2023 campaign? He's definitely an asset in the slot with his length and his size. Big time asset to replace Tariq Bracey in the slot and allow the other young DBs to be able to get in, whether it's that field or boundary. He has value. He has leadership and he has experience. He's played a lot. So that's one of the things that I tell, that I try to get across sometimes. It's like, we want the splash. We want the five stars. We want the guys that we can immediately see the field and make an impact. But some of the best stories are the guys that stick around and fight through things and end up making valuable plays down the line in your program. Guys like a DJ Brown, who's solid, solid. He's going to always be in the right spot. He's a great leader, great mentor for the safeties. Great guy, great locker room guy, beloved by his teammates. His story is just as good as Jalen Sneed's. He's not as flashy. Might not get to the NFL at the same level, but his story is just as good and honestly just as important if we're talking about the four for 40 brand that Notre Dame stands on. It's just as important. So the camaraderie that Cam Hart talks about within that room and how they hear the wide receivers chirping just like. Man, Tobias Mederweather said they hear the defensive backs chirping and they're ready to go out there and compete every day. You have to love hearing that. We talked about Lorenzo Styles Jr. playing wide receiver and defensive back. We told you and gave you clarity in the situation. It's not about him doing anything wrong or that he's done anything wrong. It's more about him wanting to make more of an impact. And wanted the opportunity to make more of an impact on a down-to-down basis for the football team. This dude is a workout warrior. Go look at the video. Go look at the video. You already heard. Right? You already heard Benjamin Morrison talk about him. Benjamin Morrison, he's the best cornerback you got. Benjamin Morrison was like, this dude can do everything. He's strong, physical, can run, jump, like Zoe can do everything. He's talented, and he just wants to find a way to make sure that he can get the talent out so it can benefit the team.
2: He talked about it, the transition, and playing a defensive back. I not think it was
6: too difficult. Uh, there's definitely some technical stuff, but uh, athletically I still feel pretty good uh, at that position, uh, just really refining technical things, and uh, just working on that every single day. This just, just takes some consistency. Lorenzo, with the transition, what have you learned about yourself from a mental standpoint? Uh, I think it really I'm a football player. Either way, football, uh, receiver, DB, um, wherever the team really needs me at, and uh,
7: I can help make an impact, I'm, I'm willing to do
1: it. That's all he wants to do. He wants to make an impact. That's all a young man has ever wanted to do, make an impact. And like I said, he can end up being just as beautiful a story as Drake Bourne or Jameis Sneed. Right? That's why everyone sits up in front on what's happening right now, coming off that Fiesta Bowl when he put up up big numbers in the second half of that freshman season when he was balling, everybody else thought he was going to be a dude at wide receiver. Stop lying. Stop lying. Coming into last season, most people thought Lorenzo Styles Jr. was going to be a dude at wide receiver. He'll be the first to admit that he failed himself and his teammates. It's not even about us. He failed himself and his brothers on multiple levels. He'll tell you that. He'll be the first to tell you that. And he's frustrated. And he went hard, super hard with Matt Bayless in the offseason. Improving. Because he wants to make an impact. He believes in himself. He believes in his talent. Right? I don't. I don't know. Let let me drop this. Uh, do you guys really feel that when players walk on the field, that they're thinking about the fans? I wish. I wish Malik was here. <laughs> because I feel like I'm about to hurt some feelings, and if there are young Notre Dame fans listening, um, cut this off. I don't want, you know, because i this is this is a grown conversation.
2: And maybe it helps some fans to kind of level their fandom. Football players are trained that it's about them, the coaches and the team.
1: They're not trained that it's about fans. I don't know if you guys knew that or not. They don't think about fans when they're in the tunnel. They're appreciative of the fans, but the fans are not part of their focus when it comes to winning football games. So when I say that he let himself down and let his brothers down, that's pretty much the extent of it. That's the biggest hurt for him. Now, if you put him in front of a camera and he gets to be PC, then every football player is like, yeah, you know, I'll let the fans down. That's not the core of football players. That's not why they play. They play for that dude next to them. They play for their coaches. They play for their team. That's the core of the motivation. Everything else is beneficiaries of what happens on the inside of that core. So fans, we're on the outside of that core. We're on the outside of that. We're beneficiaries of that. So I would disagree. I've never, uh, this is why I said the DJ Brown story is just as good as the Jalen Sneed story i'm intrigued by people that go through adversity and overcome and still leave with a degree from the university of notre dame still leave with the respect of their brothers and still end up making plays on the field that win games for notre dame two different stories but when you're preaching to high school kids come to notre dame because it's
2: bigger than football Both of those stories matter. Both of those stories matter. And both of those stories are just as important. They're just as important. So you have a
1: twisted view Sometimes we have a twisted view
2: of these kids. You know, at the end of the day, when they walk through that tunnel,
1: they don't care. The team on the other side doesn't care how much money they're making in NIL. Marshall didn't give a darn about how much Michael Mayer made in NIL.
2: because it doesn't matter when you're going between those lines. just doesn't. And that's the
1: beautiful thing about having the opportunity to spend time around the young men that have played for the University of Notre Dame. Most of them will tell you, especially from the 19, the 18, and 19 teams, (laughs) there are a lot of players in that team that will tell you, yo, the way things were inside the program, we played for each other. The players will tell you this. They'll tell you that. We played for each other.
2: We played for fans. We play played for each other. As a fan, I just happen to be a beneficiary of the work, the effort,
1: the blood, sweat, and tears that they've chosen to give.
2: That's it. And I'm greatly appreciative each and every day. So
1: right here, Styles talk about, yeah, I just want to make winning plays. So I appreciate that, young man. Special teams, offense, defense, whatever. He's the only athlete drafted today. if I'm not mistaken in the draft. the Styles Jr. You have to love it. So what do we talk about today? Make me better. Make me better. something that Chancy Stuckey, Mike Mickens and their players have chosen. And pretty much gone out and done for each other this spring. Wide receivers and cornerbacks have made each other better in practice. And we'll get to see who wins what matchups on Saturday at Notre Dame Stadium. Now, some things that stood out from the draft. Jabron Payne being the number one overall pick. Shout out to Jabron. Um, No. I've been thoroughly impressed with the young man. Thoroughly impressed with the young man. Thoroughly. His ability to cut back. He overcame injuries. Uh, both of the young running backs last year were injured. So Darian Price with the Achilles, Jabron Payne with the hamstrings. So you'll be seeing both of those guys this fall. Jabron Payne had an incredible spring. Runs hard. He was taken before Audrey Esteban. Which was shocking, because I expected Audie Estimate to be the number one pick. Jalen Sneed was the number one linebacker taken. And the fact that Drake Bowen was right behind him.
2: I hey. Mean, but he's not athletic. He's slow. That's what they say, right? Okay. 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 <laughs> All right,
1: and someone pointed out there were a lot there was a long list. It seemed like a list of about twenty guys that aren't participating be an injury, and I might be overstating that, but it seemed like the list was pretty long. it really did. Notre Dame, thank you for tapping in today. Do you think Notre Dame should use more four wide receiver sets? Why, why not? I mean, it's all dependent upon the opponent. It's dependent upon the opponent and the trust you have in the offensive line. Because they have, finally, the talent to consistently go out there and to be able to run those type of sets, right? So especially run them at a high tempo take teams, get catch teams off balance and keep them on their heels. So yes, I think they should use it at certain times against certain opponents. Especially if you're gonna have yeah, with both quarterbacks, I would I would use the four
2: wide receiver set. We're both quarterbacks. Uh, let's see. John Long, come on, bro. Come on.
1: Who did Ricky Haddon beat? Let's come on now. Who did Ricky Haddon beat? See, we must see. I don't put a stamp on you until, like, I can put a stamp on Shaquille Stevenson and all of these young guys. They haven't fought anybody. They look great, they're knocking out bums, they haven't beaten anybody. Ricky had didn't beat anybody. And as soon as he faced somebody with talent like Money Mayweather, he got knocked out and embarrassed. And he got embarrassed even worse his next fight. So we we just we just knew the game different. That's all. You're hype until you fight somebody good and do it against somebody good. You're hype to me. Shakir Stevenson is hype right now. Why? He hasn't beat anybody. He hasn't beat anybody. Who has he beat? Who has he beat? I'm fair across the board. Show me. Show me. I don't care nothing about knocking everybody out that's bums. I know when he faced Floyd, he got embarrassed. It wasn't even close. That's hype. You know who wasn't hype? Sugar Ray Lennon because he did it against Thomas Herms. Thomas Herms wasn't hype because he did it against Arguello. He did it against, you know, he battled and had to fight one against Sugar Ray until he got knocked out in the 15th round. He had one of the greatest short fights against Hagler and battled and had Hagler in trouble before Hagler came back. Going up against the best and getting embarrassed? No, sir. I can't rock with you on that one. That's
2: hype. You didn't do anything. That's all hype, in my opinion. Hope. (laughs) He did beat Castillo, right? Uh, Look. You know, that's all.
1: We just view things different in the fight game. Somebody asked me,
2: "I'm I'm rolling with Tank. I'm rolling with Tank. Uh, I'm rolling with Tank on Saturday night.
1: I just got a gut feeling, man." I think Ryan Garcia is going to show very well. I just got a gut feeling about Tate. You know, I I really watching the All Access, I've really come to like Ryan Garcia even more. I really have. I I love the young man, his story, his family. Man, I really do. I, I love his personality, what he brings to the boxing game. Boxing needs more of that. But uh, yeah.
2: I don't know. I, I think I'm gonna rock with Tanko on, on Saturday night. Yeah, I think I'm gonna rock with that.
1: Uh, shoot. <laughs> Lennox Lewis. I'll give you a perfect example. Lennox Lewis was hyped to me, and then he came across and handled some of the best heavyweights, and it's like, okay, right? Lennox Lewis did what Anthony Joshua couldn't do.
2: Anthony Joshua was all hype. Came across, got smacked up. Got smacked up by lesser talent. So,
1: man, when you have Lennox Lewis, that's all hype, Coming across the seas, really wasn't respected because he was coming from England and got in there with the best of the best. Uh, Jay Lamont, stop, man. Man, None of those guys are athletically on the same level as Shakur Stevens. Stop. Stop begging. Stop begging. He has to beat the top contenders. Other than that, he's hype. If he goes in there against Devin Haney and he gets handled by Devin Haney and gets knocked out, he's hype. Shakir Stevenson was head and shoulders better than everybody on that list. Who had a legitimate shot to beat Shakir Stevens on the list of people you just named? Who? Just because they're a contender doesn't make them viable to say, oh, this is a dude. No, that's not how it goes. No, that's not how it goes. Y'all go by these, Y'all, man, really? We're going by contenders? Valdez was not even a... Sha- Valdez is definitely Harry. And Yoshino? Are you kidding me? These fights were easy for Shakur. Easy. I'm not looking at easy fights trying to give somebody credit. Shakur Stevenson, until he fights a Devin Haney or someone of equal skill. No. Beat somebody or compete against somebody of equal skill. Then I'll take the hype off. Until then, I'm sorry. Can't give it to you. As I said before, we just have different views. I didn't say he wasn't uber talented. I didn't say he wasn't a dude. But you got to fight somebody. And none of the dudes you name are anything close to him from a talent standpoint. You keep typing the same thing. None of those guys, listen, name somebody that was equal to him in talent. Who has he beaten that was just as talented as him? Who? Because none of the fighters you name are equal to him in talent. None of them. I don't care about rankings. I don't care about undefeated. Who was equal to him in skill and talent? Stop looking at numbers. Know the boxing game. Who was equal to him in skill and talent? There's a lot of dudes out there undefeated that end up being bums. I don't care about that. Who was equal to him in skill and talent? Who you keep saying stop it, but you can't name a name. Who was equal to Shakir
2: Stevenson in talent? Who? 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 Who has he faced that's just as good as Devin Hayden? Who? the same thing with Devin Haney. He hasn't faced anybody. That's the problem with boxing.
1: No one fights anybody. They go fight fighters that they're better than. And you hype them up because, oh, they're ranked number one. Oh, they're ranked number two. Oh, they were undefeated. They're not as good. They're not as good. TCU was undefeated. Did that make them as good as Georgia? No, everybody knew going into that Georgia TCU game that Georgia was about to sank TCU. And every time I see Shakur Stevenson go into a fight, it takes one round for me to realize this dude is not even close
2: to Shakur. They're not. So now you just
1: want to argue. You don't understand tears. Where guys are here and guys are here. And just because you're not here, it doesn't mean you're trash. You're just not here. You're not on the same level. He has not beat anybody that's on the same level as him. He hasn't. And you keep going to the left, name a name of a boxer that was just as good as Shakir Stevenson when they fought. You can't. You can't, because he hasn't faced anybody as good as him yet. He hasn't. And until he fights Devin Haney, Lomachenko, or someone along those lines, that's when he proves himself. That is when he proves himself. Lomachenko has had to come back from the loss he had. He's building himself back up. Matter of fact, I think Shakira Stevenson said he wanted Lomachenko next. So, because he said Devin Haney doesn't want him right now. So, there lies the problem. Lucky Lefty Podcast. Hey, no petty training today. I'm getting out of here. Got my stuff ready. I'm suited, booted. About to get up here to the bend. It's going to be a great weekend, guys. Great weekend. Tap in with us. If you're in the area,
2: Malik will be – I'm sorry. We're getting emails from the people in South
1: Bend. But, you know, we'll see you guys tomorrow. We'll send out an announcement. Left has a meeting from 4 to 7. So come out via the South Bend area. Meet up with Left and myself from 4 to 7 in the South Bend area. We'll send information via Twitter and Instagram later on today. We
2: love you guys. We appreciate you. Most of all, make sure that you spit it.